Welcome to the Canicuck Institute podcast, where we continue to equip leaders with biblical skills for a lifetime of ministry. Welcome to the Canicuck Institute. We are here live from Lampy, Missouri out at K7 Canicuck Camp, and we are so excited to bring you some more of 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. We're just going to be looking at four verses today, boy, but I tell you what, these are some action-packed verses here. You know, as I read the very first verse here in verse 1, it says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. He says, now preach the word, ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instructions, for the time will come when they will uh, not endure sound doctrine, but wanted to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn to myths. Guys, let me just talk about that for a little bit. And what I want to do right now is I want to emphasize to charge. What I see Paul doing right here to Timothy, he says, guys, I solemnly charge you. You know, when you think about a charge, I think about a coach. When I was in college, we were playing for uh, a very special game my freshman year, and, and it was a pretty powerful game because if we win it, we win the opportunity to go play for the national championship. Well, in this in particular game, our coach does not walk in like a normal traditional coach does. He kicks the door off the hinges and he runs in and he grabs the biggest guy on the team and says, are you ready to go play? And kind of throws him back in the locker, and he runs over. And then he grabs me, Chance, you're ready to play, and throws me in the locker, and you're like, oh my gosh. And the coach just kind of said, then let's go get him. Well, guys, I don't know about you, but that was maybe one of the most electrifying talks I've ever heard because he just grabbed people and threw them. Well, as everybody's trying to go out that double door, It's amazing because you've got 90 guys trying to go through that door at the same time. And I'm the smallest guy on the team, so I just run between everybody's legs and out the door I go on onto that field. Well, as I run out onto that field that day, there in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, playing for Washita Baptist University, I was leading the pack. And I mean, I am pumped up. I'm excited. You know, and we run out there, and there's those cheerleaders doing those little toe touchers and herkies and all that kind of stuff. And they're holding this big, giant hula hoop with paper in it. You know, it said something like, go fight, win or something. You know, we're, you know, bring home the championship or whatever. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to bust that paper because I'm so pumped up. I'm leading the charge. And on the other side of that paper is going to be the news. And they're going to have all their cameras. And it's going to click, 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 click. And say, Chancey leads this team to victory. Well, on that in particular t- day, Chancey not only led his team to not only did not lead his team to victory, but he led them to complete craziness. Because you see, as I busted through that paper, I was all pumped to kind of gain the accolades and the excitement of what I was doing and leading. I caught my foot on that hula hoop. Well, it may not sound like that big of a deal unless 90 people are following you very closely. And so as I caught my foot on that hula hoop, I mean, I hit the ground. And the next, I have no idea what happened. Maybe it's a fog. Maybe it's a, uh, like they say, you could have PTSD. I did not want to remember what happened the rest of that moment because I hit the ground and who knows how many I tackled that day. 
And as I limped off the field, absolutely humiliated, I can't imagine, I just can't imagine, you know, when you guys are out in the world and y'all feel this way, you're leading a charge, but you land in your face and you crawl off the field and you're going, oh my gosh, what have I just done? That was me on that in particular day, feeling so worthless with a big old L up on my forehead of loser. Because you know what, guys? I had gone to Loserville. And I don't know if you guys can identify that, but I'm going to tell you something. There is a place like that. And when you're told to lead the charge, and you're told to lead that charge in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, you see, we want to make a difference. And, and what I was not doing that day is I was not leading a difference because I was all about me. And the all about me mentality, you know, I think of that uh, Toby Keith song, All About Me. You know, when it's all about you, it's a guarantee it's going to be a failure. And as I thought about this this morning, as I was just praying about coming and sharing today in the, in the booth, I just thought, you know, I hope that you and I, it is not all about us. But it's about the one true God, the one that we lead the charge for, the one whose name is uh, Emmanuel, the God is with us, the Savior of the universe, the one who paid the price that only he could pay that offered us through grace the gift of God. Well, guys, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you have fallen on your face, you've been trampled on, you've you know done the unthinkable where where you have been so humiliated, you don't know if you could ever get back up. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I do know that day for me, it was a horrible day. And in my life, you know, when my dad left my family, when girlfriends had broken up, when situations in my job haven't gone the way that I thought they should, there's been a lot of times I've landed on my face. But the true understanding of a champion as he gets up and he understands who he lives for. So, you know, as I look at this verse one, man, we are leading the charge, the charge for Christ in the presence of God. And we understand that he will judge us one day in eternity. But until then, guys, we've got to get busy getting up when we fail, when we fall flat. I don't care what you've done. My God is a God of forgiveness and he loves you. And he just wants you to get back up and he wants to help you back up. He wants to, as Psalm says, He wants to reach down. He wants to grab your hand and pull it out of the pit. You know, I hope there's none of you out there in the pit today. But if you are, know that my God grabs your hand. He pulls you out. And whatever pit that you're in, whatever has caused you to feel like you can't lead the charge, my God is a great and a redeeming God. He wants to give you his best. Well, in this text right here, what we see, it says that God is the one who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and by his kingdom. You know, I was thinking about this. With all of us, we need to be kingdom-minded. You know, what a kingdom-minded individual is like what, uh, in the book of Matthew, you know, it's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Guys, I, I pray that we would be kingdom dads, kingdom moms, kingdom friends, kingdom leaders, You just put the name kingdom there and whatever comes after that, that's what you are. That we're raising kingdom warriors. That we keep the main thing, the main thing. That we understand what it is that we're trying to produce in our life. And the way that we do that 
is being kingdom-minded means that we've got to have an undeniable belief, a belief that's so strong, so powerful, that nothing can rock our world. You see, when I think about this, I, I, I look at Matthew 7, 24 through 27, and it's the story of the sand and the rock. You know, which are you building your house upon? The sand, which when the winds and the turns and the rain come, it's going to fall apart quickly. Why? Because there is no foundation. But the one that was built on the rock, it's going to withstand all the storms. But, you know, sometimes in life, we fail to realize we want a quick fix. We want things to be done quickly and easily, and, and it doesn't cost us that much. But when something doesn't cost you very much or you don't pay a great price for and you don't really get intentionally into it, what it is, it's that very thing that's going to crumble quickly. And, and Jesus was giving us this illustration of our lives that we can't build our lives on the sand, but we've got to build our life on the rock. And the rock, it takes more time. It takes more energy, more effort, more finances. But when it's built... It's not rocked by the world. And what happens is that when you build your life on a foundation of rock, when you fall, you get up quickly because you understand that you're kingdom-minded. You're you're kingdom uh, servant in your job. You're a kingdom leader in your church. You're a kingdom friend. You don't listen to what other people are saying. You don't care about your opinion because your opinion is what you think, but you care about the convictions of God. And so being kingdom-minded, it changes the way that you live in everything you do. So as we see these first two things, we have this charge that we want to, to go. We want people to know what we believe, and we're willing to run through that hula hoop. And even if we trip, we get back up because we don't. We know what we believe. And we have this undeniable belief that allows us to be kingdom-minded. And the third thing that we do is that we preach the word. Verse 2 says, preach the word. And you know, when we preach the word, I just think about this. You know, what is it that you're out there preaching today? You know, Joshua 1, 8, 9 says, This book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be able to do all that was written according to it. And then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord our God is with you wherever you go. Guys, our God is with us. He wants you to preach this word that is about our God, that our God is the one true God. And our convictional stance is that I will meditate on his word day and night. And you know the word meditate? It's like a cow eating his cud. He eats the cud. He throws it up. He eats it. He throws it up. He eats it. He throws it up until he gets all the nutrients out of it. This is us meditating on the word that every day you memorize a word and maybe you keep that word in your heart for a week, maybe for a month. But that one word begins to tell everybody who you are and what you believe. And that it's like a a Joshua 189 that you, you just, it goes in and out of you so much that every step that you take, it's what you think. It's how you react. It's how you live your life. It's how you be this kingdom-minded person. It's how you lead the charge. Because in your charge, you are preaching the word. And you're making Christ known. I think about that next thing that it says there. Because after he says, guys, 
preach the word. He says, be ready in season and out of season that we have to reprove. The word reprove is that we, is elenco. And it means that we literally get into someone's life that we're going to help them. We're going to correct wrong understanding that we're going to rebuke, that we're not going to let people just, uh, think what we think, but we're going to say, hey, I need to tell you what's wrong with what you're saying and how it needs to be made right. And I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to build you up, but I'm not going to build you up in the sense of who you are, but who Christ is in you. And I'm going to have great patience with you. And I'm going to give instruction because what we've got to do is we've got to raise up warriors that are not ashamed, that are not afraid. And so Paul says, guys, we've got to be ready in season and out of season. And you know, I was thinking about this because when my son Cameron was seven years old, he did something that I just can't even believe that he did. We were playing one day. We lived in in Denton, Texas, and we were out in the backyard playing basketball. And this new uh, family had just moved into the town. And when that family moved into the town, one of the boys was Cameron's age. And we invited him over to play basketball. And Cameron's best friend, Trent, and Tanner were now playing with Cameron and they're back there playing basketball. But Tanner, the new boy in the neighborhood, kind of got mad and he pushed Trent. Trent fell back, hit his head on a rock, began to bleed. I ran over to help Trent. Cameron runs over to Tanner and what he said next was amazing because it was, I'm telling you, it was leading a charge. It was very kingdom minded and it was very preaching the word because Cameron at seven years old said to the boy in a very forceful way he says you need to go to church with me tomorrow and and you know where most kids would have wanted to punch a kid or do something or jump on him do whatever wrestle him down Cameron said you're going to church with me well to make a long story short the very next day we took this boy to church with us and as I'm about to get up and teach that day at church I'm looking out there and there's Cameron with his buddy Tanner and they get up and they leave and I couldn't believe that they left I thought where are they going but they walked back in my office. I didn't know that. And after church, I uh, they came walking up to me. And they said, you know, I said, hey, Cam, how did it go? And and he says, Daddy went great. I said, Tanner, what'd you think? And and Tanner goes, you know, Mr. Chancy, it was it was great because Cameron told me about Jesus, and I asked Christ into my heart this morning. And the seven year old little boy asked Christ into his heart that day, and I, I I actually couldn't believe it because I thought, you know, I thought I had to say something. And I never really realized that my seven-year-old son understood the gospel. And you know, guys, I think we really underestimate, you know, how old we need to be before we start telling the gospel. But being ready in season and out of season has no uh, time limits. It's not about your old. It's not about your young. It's about who do you believe in? And us being ready is that we've just got to open our mouth and begin to talk about the most important thing in our life that we've been meditating on, that we've studied the scriptures on, that we've read our Bible, that we've prayed up, and that we're asking God to do something so much bigger than we ever dreamed. You see, that little seven-year-old boy was ready that day. He made a difference in season and out of season. Even though he was young, he made a difference in a young another person's life. Well, it didn't stop there because the dad called me later and said, Chancey, will you tell me what your son said to my son because my son got saved? And and then the dad gets saved, the dad leads the mom to Christ, the mom leads the daughter to Christ, and that whole family gets saved because a seven-year-old little boy wasn't afraid to share the gospel. Guys, I don't know where y'all are at today in your world, but being kingdom-minded and leading a charge 
is that we're raising up our kids to be warriors for Christ. We're not just caring about, you know, do they play football or soccer or can they play golf? We're not caring are they most are they the smartest kid in our in their schools? But guys, we're raising up kids that will be warriors for Christ, that they're not ashamed and they make a difference for Christ and everything they do that they're able to reprove, that they're able to rebuke, that they're able to exhort, they're able to have great patience and instruction because they understand that they know what they believe. And so now what Paul says in verse 3 says, For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, and they'll want to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Guys, you know, it's interesting because I don't know where what your city's like or what your little town's like or, you know, where you live, but I do know this. We've gone through Crazyville. You know, we've come through the pandemic. We've come through COVID. And and what's come from that is a lot of kids have, for two years, they've been shut down. They've been wearing masks. They haven't been able to read your lips. They haven't really been able to talk. They've kind of been uh, put away, so to speak. And when they went back to school, uh, they all of a sudden began to hear things like, you know, you can be what you want to be. And some of these kids begin to, I don't know if you've ever heard the term, you know, furries or slitherers. And 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 when I mention that uh, with kids and the kids mention that to me, if that's what they're seeing in schools, my heart breaks because, because these kids are telling me that some of the kids in their school are identifying that they're cats or they're snakes or they're something other than what God intended for them to be according to the book of Genesis. And, and you know, when it says that God made man and he made woman and he made them to be fruitful and multiply the earth. There's a lot to take in on that. And it says that he made everything after its own kind. And so when we begin to take liberties in how that God made us, it's that we begin to accumulate for ourselves people that don't have sound doctrine. And we begin to find people that will tickle our ears with what we want to hear, but not what we need to hear. And we'll begin to think that what they're saying is okay when it's not okay. And I just... My prayer for us today is that we go, you know what? Don't get people that agree with you. Get people that teach you God's word. We must understand the significance of what Christ has done for us, that he took our place on the cross, that he pushed us out of the way, that we had drowned, so to speak, spiritually speaking, or in the way that we lived our life, and that God did CPR on us. We didn't resuscitate ourselves. We didn't walk an aisle and that's what saved us, but God saved us conditionally on what he did for us according to the word of God. And because of what he's done, man, I want to love him. I want to make him known. And as I read these, just these three verses, I'm caught with this thought. Let's preach the word. Let's lead the charge. Let's be kingdom minded in everything that we do. Let's build our house on the rock. Let's build our kids on the rock. Let's not let our ears be tickled. Let's not want to get teachers who agree with us, but us understand truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the life, and the truth. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. Guys, I hope this is an encouragement to you guys today. Boy, is this a good word. Hey, I hope you're having a great one. And once again, if you've fallen on your face, if you've gone through the pit of despair, and you're going, man, who's out there? Hey, my Christ can pull you up because he's your Christ. He's the one that loves everyone and he wishes that none would not know him. So guys, get up today. 
no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what has gone on, know that God wants to reach out and grab your hand, pull you out, and lead you to safety, and He'll always be there with you. Hey, have the best day ever, and God bless. Take care now.